Welcome to Women on Wealth, a podcast by women for women. Our mission is to empower women to embrace the discussion around wealth, demystify finance and market-related topics, and break down the emotions that surround these decisions. Your host is Julina Ogilvy, partner and wealth advisor with Principal Wealth Partners. She's a certified private wealth advisor and a certified investment management analyst with over 20 years of industry experience. Welcome everyone to Women on Wealth. Today we are going to talk about the investment no-no to know. It's in our human nature to be emotional. I, for one, have certainly been emotional. For me, it could be watching a cheesy movie or watching one of my girls in competition, or even, as my family loves to joke, getting emotional at the airport over lost luggage or a missed flight. We all have those triggers, and when it comes to investing, it's no different. As if the pandemic, election, and social unrest in the past year weren't enough of an emotional roller coaster, from a financial standpoint, we had the largest economic quarterly drop on record, the largest increase in unemployment since the Great Depression, the fastest drawdown or drop in equity markets in history, followed by an equally historic market recovery. And all of this while the central banks around the world are ballooning their balance sheets, which is creating the lowest bond yields in history. That's the summary, but there's so much more under the hood of what I just said. And yet, if you dumped your money into the S&P 500 and owned the largest U.S. companies, closed your eyes, plugged your ears, didn't touch it, you were up over 18% at the end of 2020. But we can't quite do that, can we? I want to talk today about all of the emotions around investing. It's not new. It's not going away. So how do we as investors manage it? I want to talk about what the studies are telling us as investors we do when the markets go down, why it's more problematic than it may first appear, and what guidelines we should follow to guide us through this. So let's start with the market correction of 2020. On February 19th, the market, I'm referring to the S&P, reached an all-time high after an 11-year bull market. We entered quarantine in March, shut down 95% of our economy, and the market declined by 34% in one month. Now, to give you an idea of how fast that was, the average decline of this amount, on average, is about eight months. And I don't know of anyone that wasn't glued to their TVs during this time. We had nothing else to do. And it wasn't just Netflix and Hulu that we were watching, but it was the news. So the constant reminder of the markets were in front of us. It didn't matter which media outlet you chose to watch. So how did investors react? They fled to safe haven investments, one being the U.S. Treasury, which pushed yields below 1% for the first time in history, and the other was cash. According to Fidelity, from the end of February into May, at the bottom, almost 20% of individuals sold their equity holdings. As if that wasn't bad enough, that percentage increased with the older demographic in their 50s and 60s and higher. Think about that. As you're getting closer to your retirement years and preservation is so important to you, you felt compelled to pull out. It gets worse for those investors because we then had the fastest recovery on record, giving these investors an equally emotional decision as to whether or not they should get back in right away. Mark Twain once said, history never repeats itself, but rhymes. 
Has this happened before? Of course it has. I only have to go back to 2008 to see similarities. According to a JP Morgan report, the last time money fled the equity markets to this extent and went to liquid assets such as cash was the depth of the financial crisis in 08. And then what happened? You could probably guess it, the S&P began its 11-year bull market, returning over 400% during that time. So as advisors, we share this a lot with clients about the challenge of timing the markets. I'm going to stick with JP Morgan and reference another report. Stay with me because I'm going to give you some numbers. I would even write this down to help you conceptualize it. If you had been invested in the stock market, again, I'm referring to the S&P, for the last 20 years, your average return was about 7.5% during that time. 20 years is a long time. 20 years ago, I didn't know my husband, I had no kids, no dogs, no mortgage, but living in a tiny apartment listening to my favorite new song of the year, Beautiful Day by U2. Now I'm gonna take away the 10 best days in the stock market for the last 20 years, just 10 days. Now your investment did not average 7.5%. It didn't average 6.5%. It didn't average 5.5%. It didn't even average 4.5%. It averaged just under 3.5%. I've often heard from individuals over the years, well, I could have had time to get back in. So let's talk about how quickly these decisions become more problematic to investors. In fact, let's flip the study and now look at the 10 best days in the last 20 years. Since then, seven of those 10 best days are within two weeks of those 10 worst days that they used in the study. Remember, it's emotions that drove you out. Has that uncertainty that you had changed within two weeks to make a second emotional decision to get back in? It's always easy to look in the rearview mirror and say, I could have done that, but it's not so easy when you're living in the moment. It's been fascinating to talk to financial advisors in my career and listen to them as their client emotions played out during the tech bubble of 2000s and then again in 2008. I would always hear frustrations from advisors that couldn't keep a client in the market and had to act on their client's wish to get them out. I don't think I've ever recalled an advisor telling me that those same clients that insisted on getting out were able to get back in within a couple of weeks. It's almost always months and years for those same clients to make that emotional decision to get back in. These emotions are so prevalent in making financial decisions that the field of study known as behavioral finance has exploded in the last few decades. This is the notion that when investors make investment decisions, they are not nearly as rational as the traditional theory would suggest, and that they make their investment decisions based on emotions and biases. One of the most common biases is what's known as loss aversion, where one tends to avoid losses over achieving the same equivalent gain. In other words, you feel the pain of a 10% loss much more than you would a 10% gain in your portfolio. Loss aversion is a major reason why most investors underperform the market. Simply put, their emotions get in the way. Investors will sell when the market is going down out of fear of experience further losses. Because remember, we can't predict the future. These emotions overtake the consequence of missing out when the market rebounds. And it's not just the obvious years, such as the financial crisis or the tech bubble. 
In 2018, the market dropped 11% in December, ending the calendar year down. This was led by uncertainty around interest rates, the economy starting to slow, trade tensions with China, and then we had a federal government shutdown. In fact, according to a Dalbar study, the average investor lost twice as much as the S&P during that time. As if this data isn't frustrating enough, in 2020, Cerulli surveyed the financial advisor community asking them, who tends to have loss aversion bias? The results were dramatically directed to the older generations, the silent generation and baby boomers in particular, and confirms the fidelity study I referenced earlier of all the individuals that got out of the market in 2020. This is a deep-rooted impulse to avoid pain. So what can we do about it? We need to acknowledge it, know that these feelings are there, and have guidelines to manage it. I've joked for years that financial advisors are largely therapists for their clients. This is why. Helping clients isn't just around managing their money. It's with the emotions that come with it. Setting guidelines as to when to buy, guidelines as to when to sell, and guidelines on when to rebalance is crucial to the investment process. And if you can't do it yourself, then a good financial advisor can guide you. The most important thing as investors is to have a plan for when this occurs because it's always there. Emotions don't go away and they shouldn't. I enjoy being emotional, but do not allow them to guide your investment decisions. That is a huge no-no. Thanks for listening to Women Unwealth by Women for Women. Stay up to date by subscribing to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, please visit www.principalwealthpartners.com or join us on LinkedIn.